We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. You know, we've, we are very concerned about who we are. Uh, when we have time to think about it, when we're not busy surviving, when we're trying very hard to, uh, we're not trying very hard to, to push ahead, to get ahead, to drive ourselves, to fulfill ourselves, or keep ourselves from starving, or keep ourselves employed. These are the things that we do here on planet Earth, and it's all about survival. But what if life was meant to be more than just surviving? What if, in fact, it turned out that life was actually much more than that, life was actually a, a sense of life itself, that it has its own uh, essence to it. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. What is that essence? What is that special place that we can go to where we are fulfilled as human beings? Um, you know, when um, the writer of the book of Genesis, whoever that was, wrote... He wrote that Moses went out to um, the burning bush, and uh, it's in the Christian Bible or the Torah of the Tanakh uh, in the in the uh, Hebrew Bible that Moses went to speak with the burning bush because the burning bush spoke to him. Now, what that means about a burning bush is that a metaphor? Is that real? Is that you know an actual burning bush? There are some people who say there is a bush in that region of the country that has berries on it that when, when it's heated up to a certain temperature, it catches on fire. Um, and perhaps that's true. Uh, but either way, something spoke to Moses. And you know how that is where you're walking through a, a bookstore and a book seems to call you from the shelf. You turn and you look at it and you go, I have got to have this book. Before you know much more about it, you just know you have to have that book. And you may take that book home and and wait several years even before you read it. But when you read it, it's right home. It brings you to the place inside of you that's like, ding, this is it. Bingo. So he was called from this burning bush. And uh, he was asked to lead the the Israelites into the promised land. But after he was asked to do that, he, he asked of this spirit or whatever it was that called him from the burning bush. And he said, whom shall I say sent me? Here's the answer he was given. I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. 
Now, that sounds a little funny. Uh, you know, I am sent me to you. You go to a group of people and you say, I am sent me to you. Well, that sounds a lot like you're saying I sent myself to you. And, in fact, that's exactly what he was saying. So, as we study the original Hebrew language, here's what we get. I am who I am or I am that I am literally means to be, is, slash, was, slash, will be, to be. In other words, I am now, I was, I will be, be. <laughs> I will be being. I will always be the infinitive of to be. Not being. You know, we talk a lot in the New Age, New Thought Movement about beingness. And I use that word as well. It's uh, the best we got. But uh, actually, this phrase means a little bit different. It is the infinitive to be, which means not just being, but to be. So that there's always that initiative. There's always that original to be. Uh, you know, once you are to be, well, then you become being. But if you're always to be, then you are always in that initiatory state, which I think is fascinating. So we translate those words that were used in the in the uh, uh, Christian Bible or the Torah of the Tanakh there in uh, – actually, it's in Exodus 3.14 um, – that says to be is was will be to be. We translate that as Jehovah, sometimes Yahweh, but very often Jehovah, which means the existing one. And the phrase the existing one it originates in a root word, which is the infinitive of to desire. So we've got two infinitives now to be and desire to desire. Now we could look at that and we could say, well, you know, who would want to just exist perpetually as desire? Doesn't that sound pretty awful that you're always desiring something? But the interesting thing is that the to be and the to desire go hand in hand so that the desire is always being and the being is always desiring. So there's this constant perpetual fulfillment of the desire. So our deepest essence uh, is, is what Moses was told to tell the Israelites about. He was actually saying something like this when he went back to the Israelites. My desire, that is my de deepest existence, my very be, my very beingness, my to-be-ness sent me to you. So the essence of who I am sent me to, to, talk to, to talk to you about the essence of who you are and to take you on a journey to the promised land. And that journey we've all been on in many ways. We wander the wilderness and wilderness is a very apt metaphor for our life here on planet Earth where we are, uh, you know, uh, wondering where our next meal is coming from and and uh, we get provided for, but we don't really believe our provision. I'll tell you a story from my own life. Uh, I may have said this before, but I'm going to tell it again. Um, I went through a period of time where I was launching my private practice and I have, was doing some therapeutic weekends and um, – uh, there was a period of time where I had uh, a therapeutic weekend planned and some of the people backed out. So I took a loss and it turned out overall that I had lost $500. Well, shortly after that, my son and my daughter came home for Christmas. My son had had a, uh, was in an automobile accident and had a, uh, some, was on a, in a cast. And so he asked me to go out to my car and get, 
um, something out from the car under the seat for him. Well, I started digging around under the seat, which I'm sure you can imagine had several things under it, not just one. I found what he was looking for, but I also, in the midst of that, grabbed out something that was a $500 Brazilian note. I took it into him, who I, I call my son my, my walking encyclopedia. So I took it to him and I said, is this real? And he said, well, I don't know. Take it to the bank and find out. Well, the next day I called the bank and, and um, it couldn't get anybody. It couldn't get anybody. couldn't get anybody. I called a couple of different banks and they finally referred me to this one bank and I couldn't get anybody there. So I put the little note in my billfold with a little st- stick of sticky paper on it to remind myself to do something with it later and forgot about it. Uh, several months later, I was suffering with uh, uh, a another loss of five hundred dollars, and uh, um, I pulled that. I happened to be paying bills and wondering how in the world I was going to pay bills, and I pulled that Brazilian note up out of there, and uh, I I um, looked at it and I went, "Oh goodness, I should call these people." So I called the people. And immediately got an answer, and they said, well, I don't know, bring it to us. So I brought it to them, and they looked at it, and they said, well, we're not experts on this particular bill, so you go across the street and take it to them. So I took it across the street to the to the other bank who, that had an exchange, foreign exchange service, and um, handed the woman the 500 notes. She turned around and handed me 489-some-odd dollars. And I walked out of there laughing and saying to my higher power, you don't really think this is going to make me believe you, right? You don't really think this is going to make me believe that you're going to take care of me. Seriously, you think this is going to work? And I was laughing. So the idea is that, you know, I was in some way provided for in some kind of magical way that I cannot understand where that Brazilian note came from. have no idea. Was it some from some drug cartel? Was my car purchased in Brazil and used before before I bought it brand new? But, you know, who knows? I don't know. But there was a Brazilian note in my car, and I call it my Brazilian angel. So, you know, whenever I refer to my Brazilian angel, I'm referring to that time in my life when I was uh, really trying to struggle to make something happen, and it happened for me miraculously. Um, so that that whole idea is that my desire was there, and it was immediately fulfilled. You know, there's a passage in uh, another passage in the Old Testament or of uh, the Tanakh, the Bible, that says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Charles Fillmore, the author of the Metaphysical Bible Dictionary, says that anytime we see the word Lord in the Bible, Old Testament or New Testament, we should put, replace it with I am. Um, so I am um, is not going to allow me to want. I am says... You shall not want. The Lord I am is my shepherd. Therefore, I shall not want. So desire and the fulfillment of desire is my shepherd. What is a shepherd but uh, a, a caring entity that knows how to tend the dumb sheep? <laughs> you know, And uh, I am a dumb sheep sometimes. So um, the idea here that we're talking about is who are we? If I am my own shepherd, and that means I shall not want, then what does that say about our current understanding of the law of attraction? Because our current understanding of the law of attraction is 
that we are to build vision boards and stay focused on what our desires are and do affirmations and keep positive and never think any negative thoughts and certainly never say anything negative because if we do, we will curse the, um, the desire that we have and it will not be fulfilled. Um, so, so that's our current understanding of the law of attraction. But if I am is always desire and always initiate fulfillment of desire, then perhaps we've got that all wrong. So perhaps what the true law of attraction is, as I've said in the law of attraction, the soul's answer to why it isn't working and how it can is that we are in a, we, all we can do about that is surrender. We are in this perpetually fulfilling plan and we are a part of that plan is such a shallow word for that. Uh, we are in this perpetually fulfilling movement like the ocean moves of its own accord or moves by the power of the moon. We are in that movement and we will be fulfilled constantly. So what does this say about you know, all the starvation in the world. And, you know, certainly that can't be a result of, of this desire to be. If, and, you know, there's also a psalm that says the cattle on a thousand hills are mine. It's, it's supposedly God talking, but if we are divine, then the cattle on a thousand hills are also ours. But if the cattle on a thousand hills are ours, then how is it that we have starvation anywhere on planet Earth? Well, in order to consciously attain what is of real life, we must be consciously aligned with the life force within us. So as long as we live in a, a, the duality trance state in which we fully believe in and identify with something other than that real life force within us, we're going to live that out. So we're going to have some starvation on planet Earth. And we're going to come back to talk more about that in just a few minutes. Stay tuned for more with Authentic Living. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. The Institute of Noetic Sciences has been a pioneer and leading authority in the field of consciousness and healing for 38 years. We invite you to discover how you can transform your health or healing practice with ION's cutting-edge research into mind-body medicine and healing. For a limited time, you can receive valuable thank-you gifts when you support the Institute of Noetic Sciences research and educational programs. Just click the banner on this page to discover how consciousness research is transforming health care. Are you tired of the government squandering your tax dollars on bailouts and overpaid bureaucrats? On Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Mike Beitler and his guests explain why big government regulations are the problem and innovative businesses and free markets are the solution. Listen to Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. 
You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Founded by Apollo 14 astronaut Edgar Mitchell, IONS is a nonprofit research, education, and membership organization whose mission is supporting individual and collective transformation through consciousness research, educational outreach, and engaging in a global learning community in the realization of human potential. And we were talking just before the break about how it is that we can possibly have suffering uh, or starvation here on planet Earth if, in fact, what we said in the beginning is true, that the desire to be, which is perpetually fulfilling its own desires, is who we are at our deepest essence. Uh, and what we said was we have to be in, in conscious alignment with the life force within us. And that life force within us has to do with that desire to perpetually fulfill its own desires. So when we got into the duality trance state, what we said was that uh, here on planet Earth, there was it was going to be hard for the vegetation to grow is going to be you know there's that passage in genesis when uh god speaks to adam and eve and he says because you've done this uh eaten of the tree of knowledge of good and evil which most traditionalists refer to as a sin uh but actually what i believe is that god was saying or the divine was saying to them this is the journey you've chosen to take now you've chosen to take this journey into duality so here's what you're going to have to face you're going to have to face uh a vision of life that says that starvation is possible, that you could die, that you could, that you must struggle for every little, little thing you have, that even when you bring birth to something, it will be, you'll have labor pains, that, uh, life will be hard and there'll be suffering because of this perspective. And the perspective is duality. The perspective is that we're, is that we're separate from the divine. And as long as we believe that we're separate from that desire, that desire that is perpetually fulfilling itself, well, of course, we're not going to feel that we can fulfill ourselves. So we live as if we're separate from that uh, perpetually fulfilling desire. And as long as we live that way, our desires are unfulfilled. And the law of attraction, as we currently understand it, was an attempt to help us bridge that gap, to help us to go, okay, well, we can, uh, get, we as powerful beings can create a new reality. That piece is true. We can create a new reality, but we don't do it by looking to the external to fulfill us. We don't do it by um, vision boarding and um, affirming, although I have no problem with vision boarding and affirming in their own right, and I certainly have answered that question as to what those are for when uh, we had our day of answers back in September um, or early October. We, they are to help us experiment with what we truly desire. That's what those are for. And that's, they have a good purpose in that. But if the law of attraction, as we currently understand us, understand it, leads us to that place where we are, um, having to push ourselves to uh, get into the flow of something that, um, is going to get us what we want in life rather than going inside of ourselves and dropping, surrendering into that flow that's already there, then we're missing the point. So how do we do that? How do we work with that part of us 
that wants to stay in the duality trance state and um, and uh, keep us from that fulfillment. Well, actually, there's no war going on inside of us. It's interesting, I think, that we talk in the traditional mode and throughout centuries about a grand battle between good and evil. Good being whatever we make of it, uh, mean, most of the time meaning that we get what we want, and, and bad being whatever keeps us from getting what we want. And, um, you know, we say that a murder is bad. Uh, well, why is it bad? Because it's taken a life, and we think, well, that's a terrible thing. Well, I can't say that my emotions would disagree with that. But um, at the same time, nobody ever dies. So, you know, what's really going on there may be something very different. But in our in our essence, what's going on is that event happened. It's real. So what are we going to do with that? And now there are some people out there who say, well, it's not really real. And it is true that nobody dies. So there is another alternate meaning to what's going on. But that doesn't mean it's not going on. It is going on. And when we say that, oh, that's just an illusion. There are a lot of people when the when the uh, Course in Miracles first came out started practicing this idea that everything on this planet was an illusion. Well, I think we do have many illusions, but but we can't say that life as we experience it is an illusion. What we can say is that life as we experience it is what we've created out of the duality trance state. And so we create the possibility for murder out of the duality trance state. Now, what's going on on the soul level isn't murder at all. But what's going on here, which is the part of us that needs to recognize the soul level, is murder. And so we can't say, well, the murder didn't really happen. Of course it happened. It did happen. And and the, the part of us that believes that we're separate from that person now will need to grieve. And what's happening through that grief process, though, is that we're getting closer and closer to who we are as soul. So everything that we invite into our lives on the soul plane is giving us the opportunity to get uh, more and more in touch with the soul plane. Um, so that's the law of attraction, that that – Everything, place, person, event, circumstance, situation that we are involved in uh, brings us closer and closer to a full awareness of who we are as divine beings. So when I say divine beings, what do I mean? Do I mean that um, that we're going to have magical, mystical powers and that we are um, going to go around touching people and they will magically be healed and all of that? Well, as long as the duality trance state is a functional and operative method of operation in the collective, and it absolutely still is today, then that's probably not going to happen. But as we evolve more and more, and I think we are in a very heightened evolutionary stage right now, uh, the more we are evolved as people, we will begin to incorporate an understanding of who we actually are. And so I believe it's my job, my mission, to keep reminding us of who we actually are. We are authentic persons. There's lots of ways to look at that. You can look at that purely psychologically. You can say that, okay, I'm an authentic person. What does that mean? Well, that means that I can, um, that, that, that perhaps I can wear a mask and costume that isn't who I really am. And that mask and costume can keep me out of touch with my truest desires. And if I begin to operate out of my truest desires, then I will be more true to who I actually am. So, for example, if I'm um, irritated every time Great Aunt Maud calls and uh, asks me to come over to the house and 
and do something else for her because I've always thought she was extremely manipulative and I didn't really ever want to do it. But I feel guilty if I don't. And what's happening there is I'm living into something that's not really true because, A, the guilt is I'm being held hostage to the guilt. And, B, I'm also being held hostage to an obligation, neither of which have any anything to do with authenticity. If I ask myself what is really true inside of me, then I do have some compassion for Great Aunt Maud. And there are things I want to do for Great Aunt Maud, but the, this is not it. And so I can figure out what is true for me to do for her and do that. And then it will be a real gift that she can really receive. and Or I can keep doing this obligation that's going to make me and her feel unfulfilled. And she's going to want more and more and more of it. So I'm going to feel more and more taxed. And I'm going to feel more and more uh, constrained by my guilt and my obligation and my resentments that I'm building ever higher as a wall between me and my authentic self. So, you know, that's a way of looking at it purely from a psychological perspective. You can take that to the next level from a pure spiritual perspective and say, okay, my authentic self is my soul. My soul has never been wounded. It's the part of me that cannot be wounded. And it ha- it it knows the truth and it doesn't need healing. It doesn't need anything from me. It is the essence of who I am, and it provides with everything that there is. So if if that's really true, then I, I'm living out of this other place where that isn't true, where I'm, I, I can starve, where I can um, be suffer, I can do without, I can have lack, and I can have desire that's unfulfilled because I've got that plane of existence as the only reality that I can see. But over here, there's another whole reality. And what I need to do is have have the two sides be married. They need to be merged, not do away with one and take the other. There's also a lot of people out there today who are telling us about shadow, which I'm very grateful that they are. The shadow is a very important part of the psyche. But sometimes we're saying to people, you need to walk into the, the shadow and remove the bad stuff that you find in there, bad being uh, anything that's going to sabotage you from having your dreams come true, or bad being the thing that keeps you from being loving to other people, or bad being whatever. Um, and we've got all these concepts of what love ought to look like. It, it, you know, it ought to be serving other people, and it ought to be obligated, and it ought to do. And, and that isn't love. Love is not based on an ought. Love is based in compassion and passion. And those things are genuine and they exist within us and they don't need any, uh, any ought to make them function well if we listen to them. The problem is we've pushed those aside in favor of the oughts and the shoulds because the oughts and the shoulds tell us what we ought and should do. And then other people will say, oh, look, you're a good person. This is how you can be measured. Because you're a good person, we measure you by the good deeds you do. Um, and we've bought that. We've all bought that because we live in the duality trance state. But there's another state, and that's the soul level. So from a spiritual perspective, it's the same as the psychological perspective, except deeper. And when we talk about uh, awakening to the truth of who we are, what we're saying is there will be no desires that are unfulfilled. And that, mean the, that means the cattle on a thousand hills are ours. We have clothing finer than Solomon ever wore. Uh, we've put the kingdom of heaven first, and the kingdom of heaven is the soul. Kingdom of heaven and soul are synonymous terms. And everything that we want and need is already there. We don't have to ask for it. It's already there because to be and to desire are constantly initiating each. 
and there's a constant cycle of fulfillment that's going on. Um, <clears throat> there's a place also in the Bible, in one of the latter letters, where uh, it is said that God is love. There's also a place in those letters where it says that God is an all-consuming fire. And when you put those two things together, what we get is that God is the all-consuming power of love, the all-consuming fire of love. And if it's all-consuming, then what will happen is there will be a merger between the part of us that believes it's separate from the divine and the part of us that knows that it's not. There will one day, at least one moment, maybe many moments in our lives when we realize that, but also there will become a time of convergence in which the entire collective knows that. And we're getting closer and closer to that point in our history. But for right now, what do we do? What do we do? How do we handle the part of us that doesn't believe it, it is divine and, do, and, and believes that it's wrong to believe that it's divine? Well, these two parts of us have sat for centuries side by side. The problem is they haven't known that they were sitting side by side. So what we need to do is figure out how to sit them side by side and have them know it. And we're going to be talking about that right after the break. So stay tuned for more after these messages. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. The Institute of Noetic Sciences has been a pioneer and leading authority in the field of consciousness and healing for 38 years. We invite you to discover how you can transform your health or healing practice with ION's cutting-edge research into mind-body medicine and healing. For a limited time, you can receive valuable thank-you gifts when you support the Institute of Noetic Sciences research and educational programs. Just click the banner on this page to discover how consciousness research is transforming health care. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. Drawing on resources from wellness communities throughout America and abroad, the show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free. 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back, and we're talking today about ipsaity. I mentioned that word in the, in the promo for the show, and I want to talk about that a little bit now uh, before we go into the side-by-side that I said I was going to talk about. Um, the I am that I am, the existing one, the, um, the to be that is also to desire, 
the constant fulfillment of desire in being and being constantly being a part of desire that is who we are at our essence and that's what we've been talking about today another word that um that is used in the metaphysical bible dictionary um by charles fillmore is ipsaity which it means it's I-P-S-E-I-T-Y if you want to look it up. It has to do with selfhood. So when I use the terms authentic self, and we can, as I said before, we can use that strictly in a psychological term, or we can take it one step deeper and, and look at the spiritual transpersonal elements of that and talk about what that means. And the word ipsaity is a constant self. It's a selfhood. It is the essence of self. So Carl Jung talks about uh, merging all of the different aspects of the psyche into one whole, and when he calls a, he uses the word self for that whole with a capital S, and uh, um, many of the uh, ancient sacred texts like the Bhagavad Gita talk about divine self with a capital S. Um, um, the uh, the Buddha talks about self and non-self. Um, the idea of non-self being the part of us that is, well, not the part of us, the essence of us that is not united to an identity, but is it? It just is. It just has that isness that we're talking about. So, uh, ipsaity is another word for that, and I love the term because it has to do, like I said, with uh, the quality of being oneself, being true, being authentic, being who you actually are. So, now. We talked just before the break about the fact that we have lived with the soul plane living right next door to the duality trance state within us since time began. But for the first time in the history of the world, we are perhaps as a global unit beginning to have at least the conversation that those two things are actually sitting side by side. Um, and that is that is something that's huge. And perhaps it is because of the Internet. Um, the ancient sacred texts have talked about this for centuries. But now we're talking about it more because perhaps we're connecting more. And maybe the Internet has something to do with that. I think the that whole thing is a part of our evolutionary process as well. But um, the idea is that we now are beginning to understand that these two sides are seated next to each other. They're rooted next to each other. So we have the soul, which is ipsaity, which is to be, to desire, which is constantly fulfilled desire, which is the I am that I am, which is the uh, all-consuming fire of the love of the divine, which is all of those things. We have that. And uh, in our thoughts, separate and distinct from that, is what I call the duality trance state in which we believe that we are separate from the divine and walk that walk and have uh, developed all kinds of philosophies out of that, including a grand battle between good and evil that matches the split between ourselves and what we perceive to be the divine. So the divine is good and we are evil and that's why we can't get together and the only way we can get together is to have some kind of ritual or prayer or, or observance of morality to get closer to the divine and that's the only way we can do that. And yet we can't ever quite do it. I mean, we've been trying it for centuries now. And my big question is, is it working yet? No, it's not working yet. We're not much different than we were in, in, in terms of the amount of quote-unquote evil and sin we have in our lives. Nothing much has changed. Um, perhaps we're a little more civilized, but just that just means we're um, being more passive-aggressive. So 
so these two guys are sitting right next to each other. Okay? We need a bridge between them. And a bridge can be built psychologically and or spiritually. And I think those two work hand in hand. I don't think there's – I don't believe there's a way to talk about psychology without touching the spiritual. And I don't believe there's a way to talk about spirituality without touching the psychological, which is, I guess, why I'm a transpersonal therapist in my, in my other life. Uh, but – what we're talking about here is um, how to bridge that. What do you do with that? Okay, so you got this part of you that believes that it's not it's not fulfilled, it's unhappy, its needs are unmet, uh, and you got this other part of you that knows that all your needs are being constantly met. How do you put those two things together? Well, first of all, here we are on the day before Thanksgiving, and. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people in the uh, New Age, New Thought movement and the Law of Attraction movement who talk about being grateful, being thankful for all that you have as a as a way of attracting those things that you don't have. So if you're grateful for what you have, then you've got a better attitude and uh, the universe notices that better attitude and sort of um, matches it with its own betterness. And uh, so, okay, so that's one way of looking at it. Um, and But another way of looking at it is to recognize that if the soul plane really is true and it really is seated right next to, actually right under and around and through the duality trance state, then what I th- think is what I can lay right on top of that. I can say, okay, I can sit here inside of myself and recognize that there's a part of me that is in utter, absolute peace, that knows that it has no bounds, that knows complete love, complete uh, trust, complete sense of wholeness, completion, already done, already fulfilled. There's that part. And then as I'm sitting there in that, in my meditative state, I can also recognize that there are other things going on inside of me. Thoughts that say, okay, what am I going to do about that? Oh, yeah, i got to pay that bill. I forgot to pay that bill. And, oh, my gosh, I might be late today to that thing. I've got this other thing to do on the way. And those thoughts, those things that come from the duality trans state that say, uh-oh, 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 uh-oh. They're always saying, uh-oh. So that's the, the monkey chatter that we talk about in the mind when we're when we're meditating often comes from what I call the uh-oh. <laughs> so the uh-oh is going on, going on, going on over here. And simultaneously, this peaceful awareness is going on. Some of us ex- have experienced that. And what we want to do when that happens is we want to quelch the voice of the monkey chatter. And we say that that's what we should be doing. We should make that voice shut up. But it doesn't happen, does it? It just keeps going. Why is that? Well, that's because all of us as of a collective have not yet uh, recognized ourselves as divine essence. But we can sit with that divine essence and watch that other part of us. It is watching us, always watching us. It is the witness. There are two witnesses. One is the witness of the soul and one is the witness of duality. The duality state witnesses what's going on in the dualistic world. And on the soul plane, the soul witnesses what's going on both in the dualistic world and in the soul world. So we we are aware if we're meditating and we, we reach that state of heightened awareness, we are aware of these two different parts of us. One is kind of living in a cold, empty world and the other one is living in this sense of perf- uh, perfect fulfillment. 
how do we do that? Should we get this perfect fulfillment side to come over here and say, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up to the, to the monkey mind? Uh, it's probably not going to work because the minute you stir up that other world, you've lost it. The minute we start saying, I should not think that thought, that's when we've lost beingness. We've lost that other state where we go, uh, I'm just here. I'm just here. That's all I'm doing. I'm just here. Uh, we've stopped witnessing and we've started compelling ourselves to do something different. So that's not going to work. And uh, we also have a lot of techniques out there, lots and lots of books uh, written f- from the perspective of doing a technique, uh, some kind of technique that's supposed to relieve us of the monkey mind and bring us our joy and bring us to fulfillment and make us rich. Oh, my gosh, there's so many people out there telling us we can get rich. Um, yeah, all of that's going on. Uh, and uh, so we're, we think we're supposed to have this oneness and the oneness is supposed to mean that we have shut down that other part of us. And so the soul is the only thing that exists. But if God or the divine is an all-consuming love, then loving is the bridge. Then as I sit here watching the monkey mind chatter away, sit here from the perspective of my soul watching the monkey mind chatter away, I can love it. I can take it in my arms and love it. I can hold it and tell it that I love it and do that with the stillness. Do do the doing with the effortless doing. So it's I'm not reaching out over there to make that monkey mind stop. I'm quietly sitting there receiving the monkey mind, receiving it as a, a, a mother might receive a child who wants to pile up in her arms and cry. I'm receiving it and I'm, I'm loving it. I'm holding it. I'm embracing it. I'm not telling it to go away. I'm not telling it to shut up. I'm not doing anything except letting it be what it is. Because here's the thing. Just like we can't change other people, we're not going to change the monkey mind. But when we love it, it begins to merge with the soul. And that merging is the process of wholeness. Carl Jung spoke about that, and he spoke about it in in psychological and spiritual terms. And his research was limited to his time, and um, and many more, many other people have spoken about that merger that can happen, the dark night of the soul that comes to many of us as we're as we are processing through to the to this to understanding more and more about who we are. The dark night of the soul is the emptiness between those two planes. That's where we hit. We've, we, we go to the soul level, the soul plane, and we see the duality plane, and we're not in either one of them. We're sitting in the middle between them where there's nothing but emptiness. And that's because that gap is, is what we have created in our minds with the idea that there we are separate from the divine. So that gap when we live when we find that empty place, all we have to do is turn from that gap and look to the left or look to the right. Look over there to the soul plane and see that there it is. There is all that I know to be true. And while we may not be able to experience that as a feeling when we're in the dark night of the soul, we still can see it. Because if we've gotten to the dark night of the soul, we have felt it. Anybody who actually arrives in the dark night of the soul has experienced soul first. Okay? 
So, you know, lots of people use that term. They throw that term, those, that phrase around quite a bit that says, oh, I'm in the dark night of the soul. Somebody stole my car. You know, I'm in the dark night of the soul. I lost my job. No, that's not it. The dark night of the soul is part of the mystical journey. It is part of the mystic's journey. And it is one in which we uh, see ourselves as empty and void of everything. Empty, absolutely empty of everything. And it is also a state that Buddha talked about as uh, to be valued and the emptiness uh, where we begin to recognize that there is nothing of the duality trans state that has any merit. And we can only look over there and see the soul. We'll talk some more about this right after the break. Stay tuned for these messages and come right back. We have more. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. The Institute of Noetic Sciences has been a pioneer and leading authority in the field of consciousness and healing for 38 years. We invite you to discover how you can transform your health or healing practice with ION's cutting-edge research into mind-body medicine and healing. For a limited time, you can receive valuable thank-you gifts when you support the Institute of Noetic Sciences research and educational programs. Just click the banner on this page to discover how consciousness Research is transforming healthcare. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with Great Spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tung has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. 7th Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. So we were talking just before the break about uh, how it is that we have two sides of us, two planes of existence. One plane is the soul plane on which we absolutely can trust that everything we want and need is right there for us because it is the I am, the to be, which is to desire, which is to be. And uh, the desire to be is always being and the, des- and the being is always creating desire to be. So there's that. There's the I am that I am. The all-consuming fire, 
of love that is the divine. Um, and it is all within us and it is all about us and it is who we are. It is the physical essence of who we are and the mental, spiritual, emotional essence of who we are. But we don't know that. And on this other plane, that's how we live. We live out of the ignorance, the lack of knowledge that says that we are – because we are experiencing the knowledge of good and evil, we are not experiencing the knowledge of life, which is that at its essence, that to be, that is to desire, the I am that I am. So what do we do about that? How do we bridge those gaps? Like I said, for centuries now, we've these two planes have existed completely unaware of each other, or at least the duality trance state was unaware of the possibility of soul, the soul plane. Now the duality trance state has started to become aware of the soul plane on a larger scale. Many mystics have always known it. The sacred texts wrote about it. Every one of the sacred texts, every one of the sacred texts out there wrote about the fact that we are divine at our essence, every one of them. Uh, not one did not do that, including the Christian Bible, although that many Christians would totally deny that and call it blasphemy. Um, but it, it's in there in the root language. Um, and it's in there even in the plain language. Uh, so all the sacred texts tell us this. Um, and if we come to the duality trance state, keep, would, would keep us out of touch with that. And so only the gurus and the mystics and the people who lived ascetic lives ever even touched the hem of that garment. But now, more and more people are come, becoming more aware of it. Um, many of the great uh, thought leaders of our day are talking about it. And, uh, and, I, and so what we're doing here is talking about that openly in a form that we can begin to put these two pieces together. So we said just before the break that one of the things we could do was learn to love that side. That We sit in the soul plane, we get to meditate, we go to the soul plane where there's peace and an absolute sense of, of completion. And from there, we look over to the left and we see that over there is the duality trance state and it's crying and it needs to be held and loved. So we hold it and love it. And as we do that, the duality trance state is touched by the soul and begins to shift and change. I can tell you from my own experience that in my meditation, I can't even explain how it happened. It's as if you're sitting there in meditation and you're downloading information. And information is the coldest term possible I can think of for it. It's very warm, very deep, very passionate, very compassionate information. And it comes at a heart level. It's not, it's not thought. So what happens is things begin to shift inside of you. Things begin to shift inside of you so that you're not using some technique to go into the shadow and rip something in there out and bring it out into the open and say, listen, you saboteur, you're not going to sabotage me anymore. And I'm going to think positive thoughts so you can't have any say so over me, which only represses it further and makes us have to deal with it again tomorrow. Um, that's not the way to do this. The, the journey into the unconscious, which is what we do when we sit and meditate, we are taking a journey into the unconscious. We're not doing it with logo. We're doing it. We're not doing it with words. We're doing it with the essence of who we are. We're just sitting with that essence, and it becomes more and more apparent to us what we're sitting with. And as we do that. And we look over to the left and we see the duality trance state over there. And we all of its emotions and thoughts and anxieties and pains and depressions and all of that goes with that. We look over there to it and, and, and we can put our arms around it and love it. And it comes over there to us and then 
it begins to slowly change. So as I meditated in the uh, several years, for several years, for long periods of time, um, I, I have been meditating. And um, when I do, I get these amazing awarenesses, um, understanding, uh, depth of, of vision, um, seeing underwater, uh, flying above, uh, transcending above with wings I don't have. There's only poetry to talk about this, but you, when you've done it, you do, you do experience a shift. Do you, does your whole personality change? Do you suddenly become, uh, this new person where you're not, you're transformed entirely and you never experience pain anymore and you, you know, no. I'm going to be talking next week, uh, to an author who I really have enjoyed his work. His name is Robert Foreman. He's a PhD and he's written Enlightenment Ain't What It's Cracked Up to Be. And, uh, we're going to be talking to him next week on the show. So don't miss that. It's a great, great book. I really would encourage you to go and get it. And one of the things he says in this book is that he had to learn that, uh, there was not going to be this great, uh, uh, tra- personality transformation that would happen and one day he would just be uh, a, bo- a bodhisattva. He was going to one day just be a soul with nothing else there. And I do believe that there will come a time when we were all that. But right now, as a collective, we are not that. And uh, and so all we can do is 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 really surrender to that essence. So as we are those two sides are beginning to dialogue a little bit. Uh, the soul is beginning to look over to the left and see the duality trans state, and the duality trans state is beginning to look over to the right and see the soul, and they begin to dialogue a little bit. What happens is lots and lots of that warm, deep, uh, amazing information is downloaded into the duality translate so it's not so dualistic anymore so it thinks differently so it acts differently so it is more full and complete and uh, will it shift entirely no will there still be uh, things that you need to work on yes um, will you know if you're anxious um, if you have an anxiety uh, problem you're gonna have to probably still keep working with that and one way to do that is to sit again with that soul and have the soul converse with the duality trans state that can be ever more and more convincing that there's really nothing to fear so when we talk about this this uh prospect of transformation we want it all right now don't we we want to see it all happen right this minute all of us who are speaking in the terms of transform transformation and, and global evolution, a global spiritual evolution. We want that to happen right this second. And so we develop these techniques and we say, okay, here's how we're going to make that happen. But we're not going to make that happen. We're not going to make that happen. The soul will make that happen in its own time, in its own way. That's why we're not given times and dates. When, when, when the, uh, people, Christians talk about a second coming, which is a term never used in the Bible, by the way. Um, but they talk about that as if, you know, Christ is going to return and take all the good guys back to heaven and the bad guys are going to go to hell. And, and, uh, so that they're looking for that to happen right now. And we are as, as, uh, new thought, new age, um, enlightened, supposedly enlightened people are, are talking about a transformation that's supposed to happen right now. We're supposed to push for that, and we're supposed to be evangelical to get other people on board with it. And 
Yeah, it's not going to happen that way, guys. Sorry. Uh, I just don't believe it's going to happen that way. The soul is doing it on its own time, in its own way. And we have to trust that process. So that's what it's all about. Beginning to dialogue between the soul and the duality's trans state and surrendering to the flow. So that's it for today. And again, next week, we're going to be talking to Robert Foreman about enlightenment ain't what it's cracked up to be. So don't miss that show. You're going to love it. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.